We also think about governance as a freedom within a framework for software, where we really want to make sure our customers and their employees uh, can use the tools that they want to use, can find the tools that the business makes available to them while still operating within the framework that the IT team and the other parts of the business have laid out. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hey, IT leader, do you know where your money is going? More importantly, do you know where your data is? For the first time, spending on SaaS software has outpaced on-premises software spending. Oh, and the number of SaaS applications brought into organizations by someone other than IT outpaces IT-procured apps almost four to one. SaaS is now the most preferred method of application delivery. Are you paying attention to it? These are just a few of the data points reported in the 2023 SaaS Management Index Report from Zylo. Today on Status Go, we're going to talk with one of the founders of Zylo, Ben Pippinger. Ben is the Chief Business Development and Strategy Officer at Zylo, the leader in SaaS management software. Ben, welcome to Status Go. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Really excited to uh, be on today and talk about SaaS. Yeah, it's great to chat with you, Ben. I know uh, you and I talked, I think, in January uh, as we were talking about the year ahead and and this report coming out. So I, I was excited to get my hands on a, uh, a pre-release copy of it. Um, and so was wondering if you could tell our listeners, Ben, what's the history behind the report? Uh, how many years has it been published now by Zylo and and if you can think back, what were what was the drivers behind putting this out uh, in the wild? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, um, you know, we started Zylo back in 2016, so about seven years ago. Um, and, you know, the whole idea when we started the company was just to help organizations get their arms around software and SaaS specifically and understand what was being spent and who was buying what and, you know, what impacts I was having to the business. Um, and when we started it, I mean, we had no data, right? When we started the company, we had, you know, zero customers. We started from, from ground zero, but over time, uh, we've been fortunate enough to, to grow a good business and, uh, have been able to collect a lot of data, um, about SaaS and how people are using it and, you know, what, what people are purchasing. So we've got about, you know, six and a half years of SaaS spend data, uh, SaaS licensing data and SaaS usage data in our, in our database today. It's actually about uh, 30 million SaaS licenses and over $30 billion in SaaS spend that we've got under management. Um, and about three years ago, we were uh, realizing that, hey, a lot of this data tells a, a pretty interesting story um, that a lot of organizations can use to help drive their decision process or sort of know where they stand from a benchmarking perspective. And so we put out our first SaaS management index uh, three years ago. So this will be the third, the third version of that report um, that is, uh, that's available. So, um, you know, the, the important thing, I think it's, it provides those, those key data points to benchmark yourself against, and also just insights. So you understand what's going on, uh, as it relates back to software and sort of the, the transformation of on-premise into, into SaaS based uh, delivery models. 
So I, I know you have a cool name for your for your database that you've got all this <laughs> in. Uh, what's what's the name? Yeah, it's it's called the Zybrary. So the Zybrary, <laughs> the Zybrary, yeah, Zybrary. It's a uh, it's it's definitely a um, something that we we care a lot about. Um, we've we've got um, about twenty thousand different SaaS applications inside of the Zybrary today that we run our discovery against. That's how we you know we find everything and categorize things and bring it all into a central system of record. Just because I mean SaaS is crazy. It's it's always growing. It's always changing. Yeah. We're we're always adding new apps that we discover into the Zybrary and helping people understand what they do. So that that's awesome. I, I just love that name when I when I when I read it in the report. Uh, now, in the report, you use more data than just what's in the Zybrary, right? You you brought in some data from other organizations as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, we the Zybrary is um, again that's sort of the the collection of apps that we do our discovery against. But um, we're looking at uh, it's anonymized data uh, that's coming into the into Zylo. So it's um, it's things like spend data. You know, how much are you spending on different applications and different categories of applications, who's buying those applications. So where that spend is coming from, is it coming from employee expense? Is it coming from a purchase order? Uh, that's all coming into the system. Um, and then also the, the licensing and usage data. So, you know, looking at all these different applications, what, what, what does the licensing look like for those applications? How are those licenses getting used within the business? So who's using them? How are they using, how, how many licenses are, aren't getting used? which is probably even a more interesting stat to think about. (laughs) (laughs) So all that, all that is, yeah. I I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm more aware of, of the SaaS space this Mm -hmm. year, or maybe it was the conversation you and I had in January, but I, but I feel this heightened sense of urgency uh, behind the data that's in, in the report. Why do you think that is? You know, it's, this is sort of reflecting back again. When we started the business, our, our first customers were primarily other SaaS companies. Um, and that was because, you know, a lot of them, they started, we always say post Salesforce, they started, you know, after SaaS was a, a legitimate right. um, operating right. model that you could build a business on. And so a lot of their, a lot of their uh, tools were also SaaS as well. So they, they knew they had the problem. They were feeling the pain points, I think, earlier on. Um, but now we're seeing that, more traditional organizations also have the same problems as they're sort of thinking about, okay, we're now buying more SaaS. I think you said in the intro there, that's for the yeah. first time ever in 2022. I stole um, that from you. You told me yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Well, good. <laughs> well, so I stole it from IDC who came out with the, <laughs> with that report. But they, they, they said that in 2022 is the first time that more money was spent on SaaS than on-prem software. And then by 2026, it's going to be two thirds. Um, and so it's the transition just is happening. Um, I think a lot of us in the, maybe if your listeners are in, you know, work for SaaS companies, they're probably like, well, yeah, this has been a problem for a while, but, um, yeah, a lot yeah. of, a lot of organizations aren't that way. And so they're now feeling that this is a big issue. Um, you know, Gartner's provided some, uh, some insights in, uh, what they put out a SaaS management market guide, mm-hmm. um, about every 12 months or so. The last one they came out with, they said that by 2027, if you don't get your arms around this, you're going to be five times more susceptible to a cyber incident and you're going to be spending at least 25% more than you should on software. And so you have a lot of these factors coming into play where people are realizing, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a big problem. You also have sort of the pandemic and the you know, acceleration of digital transformation for organizations, which means they bought yeah. a lot more software. 
now they're coming out the other end of it and saying, okay, what do we actually need here? Uh, we're spending a lot. We, we, we see it's oftentimes in the top two to three operating expenses for, for a business. And so all those factors come into play and that's, uh, that, that's, you know, stepped up the urgency of putting a system in place and solving this problem in a meaningful way for, for lots of companies. Well, and I, and I would imagine that uh, there's a lot of companies out there that are under um, cost pressures, economic mm-hmm. pressures, right? Where everyone's concerned ab- about the current state of the economy and and trying to look for ways to reduce costs. And this seems to be a, a great place to target to do that, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, we've all seen the headlines over the last twelve months. Uh, really even this year has been pretty brutal too with the reductions and, uh, in employees and all that stuff that we've seen across lots of different, and that's not just a tech thing. That's lots of different organizations are feeling verticals are feeling that, that pressure. And yes, cost cutting is, you know, is, is top priority for a lot of executive teams and software is, is honestly, it's ripe for optimization. There's lots of areas that you can dig into to figure out how much are we spending? Where is this money going? Where do we have redundancies in our stack? Where do we have just wasted spend happening? All of those things are, are key and uh, are definitely, um, again, primaries for optimization uh, within organizations today. So when you look at organizations, whether whether the clients or just in, in general, mm-hmm. uh, what are you finding the percent of their budget is going towards SaaS-based applications? Yeah, I mean, if, this is from Forrester, so I'm going to use a Forrester budget number here. Um, they 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 look at what percentage of software um, as it relates to total uh, IT spend, mm-hmm. and they're predicting that that's going to grow to 42% of total tech spend uh, in 2023, and that's up from about 34% in 2022. So it's a it's a significant amount of the overall IT and tech budget is going towards yeah. software, and it's just continuing to grow year over year. And and that's that's software inclusive of SaaS on premises, other other delivery mechanisms. That's right. Yeah. So it's it is software inclusive, um, but but I think you know it, that number is growing, and we're also seeing SaaS spend growing significantly as well. So um, SaaS is growing about fifteen to twenty percent year over year uh, from a spend perspective. So you know, you combine all these factors again that come into play here. It's the, it's the transition from on-premise into SaaS. It's that software is continuing to grow from a spend category. It's actually growing faster than any other spend category for this, for the CIO. Um, software is projected to continue to grow that quickly. So it's, it's, you know, back to the original point here around urgency. Um, that's where that's coming from. I think it's like, it's just being felt across, um, really every business right now. And people are starting to realize they got to put something in place to, to fix it. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and transitioning topics just a little bit, something that's yeah. as a former CIO, something near and dear to my heart uh, is shadow IT. Uh, <laughs> and your report talks about uh, shadow IT and its contribution uh, to this software spend. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what you have discovered or uncovered in the data about shadow IT. Yeah. So, um, I mean, shadow IT just for, I'm sure most of the people that are listening know what it is, but just for a quick definition and how we think about it, um, here at Zylo. So shadow IT, uh, for us is going to primarily be applications that are being purchased by employees. So apps that employees are buying and that they're expensing through their expense management system and getting reimbursed for. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, you know, lots of different points of view on shadow IT. Some people are going to say it's bad. Some people are going to say it's good. 
I think it's, you know, my perspective on it is if you know what's out there and you know what people are buying, it's probably not that bad of a thing because it could actually be a, you know, a source of innovation for your IT team to know, you know, what tools are people buying? Why are they buying them? Is a tool that we're providing not working or do we not have that capability or whatever it might be? So, um, but yeah, so, so to, to get to your question here though, around sort of what shadow IT looks like in the numbers, um, we've, so just to sort of level set two on sort of IT and the amount of software that IT is buying for an organization. Yeah. I think the funny thing here is if you rewind the clock back 10 years ago, or maybe, maybe 15 years ago, IT was buying 100% of the software yeah. that is yes. being used by employees at their company. Today, um, IT, IT is responsible for about one third of the spend that's going for software. Um, and that's only about 18% of the apps. So going yeah. from 100% to 18% of the applications um, is, is, is a pretty, you know, that's that's what's happened <laughs> within, the, yeah. within the world and, and as that's a result a of that. That's a huge shift. That's a huge shift, yeah. Now, when you think about what employees are buying, so employees are accounted for about 30, 37% of the apps that um, that are out there. Employees are purchasing through their credit cards and expensing them. That only accounts for about yeah. 6% of the spend though. So they're buying a lot of apps, but they're typically low dollar apps. Low dollar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and where we see the, the, the rest of the makeup there is with uh, departments buying stuff. So it's, you know, department heads buying tools they need for their teams. Um, and uh, that, that makes up the rest of the, the pie there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it is a huge shift that that's happened, and and I love that you describe shadow IT not as a not as an evil, right? It's <laughs> it's something that if you understand it and you are aware of it and you uh, manage it, so to speak, it can be very beneficial to the organization. One of the other areas that I wanted to dig into a, a little bit here is the the risk that. SaaS applications carry with them uh, as as part of it uh, related to uh, the data, the data that they that they have in them, uh, and disaster recovery. Again, something near and dear to my heart from uh, my background from my uh, Blue Lock uh, Intervision days. So, what are some of the things that our listeners should be tuned into when it comes to the data that the SaaS applications are uh, in control of, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before I answer that question, Jeff, one sort of, um, I'm going to share one quick customer story here. Uh, cause I yeah. think it sort of helps level, like again, sort of just frame out what the, this problem looks like. So this is, um, this is sort of, a, this is a high growth, uh, they're, they're a software company, uh, but not super big, but growing really quickly. Um, when they came to Xylo, they, we typically will ask during implementation, you know, how many apps do you think you have? Um, they told us that they had 70 applications during implementation. We found, uh, 223 applications inside of their environment. So, you know, that's typical, like two to three X is usually, usually what yeah. we find. Um, and that was about $12 million in spend. Yeah. The thing that was pretty happening to me about this particular use case is that of those 223, 118 of them were purchased through employee expense. Wow. And that was about 1.5 million. So that sort, of, that sort of speaks to the numbers that we, we talked about earlier. But that yeah, yeah. those apps were completely like the IT team didn't even know about them. So like it was, you know, it was a blind spot for them. They didn't know that they were there. They hadn't accounted for any of that spend. And then 
the risks that were involved with those 118 apps. You know, like what are those applications? Um, who's buying them? How are they being used? What sort of data is being put into those systems? I mean, every app you use, you put data in. It's yeah, you yeah. Know, everything from email addresses to company sensitive doc- documents, um, all sorts of stuff. And it's it's hard to know what people are putting there. When the data is put there, where is that data being stored? Um, is it, you know, is there a disaster recovery plan? Like you mentioned, if something were to happen to that SaaS provider, what happens if they get hacked or if there's a breach, what's their response look like? All of those things when it's, when it's sitting behind, um, employees just going out and buying stuff, it's not going through your infosec process. It's not going through your legal reviews. They're probably doing click wrap terms and conditions that they're not reading. Who reads? I mean, no one reads those. Uh, (laughs) we all, we all publish them, but no one reads them. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're there to, they're, they're probably more for the benefit of the, uh, the provider than they are for the buyer. That's, that's for yeah. sure. Cause, cause yeah. who's reading yeah. this, but yeah, all of those things, um, typically are, are looked over, uh, when you think, when you think about shadow it, <clears throat> yeah. um, so. Well, and I, and I think a, a, a story that I, I know I've shared with you in the, in the past, Ben was, uh, back when I was doing uh, disaster recovery work with uh, with Blue Lock, we went to a, a DRJ conference, uh, Disaster Recovery Journal, and this was right after the a couple of weeks after uh, AWS's Eastern Region had had experienced an outage, and mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly the cause or anything, but we were talking with a CIO there, and and he was talking about the the lack of visibility that he had into SaaS applications that were that were in the critical process flow, and he didn't know they even existed until they weren't there hmm. uh, because uh, uh, because of that outage. And I can't remember the exact number that that he mentioned, but um, uh, it was in excess of a hundred different applications, and it might have been yeah. as you guys have found, it's probably more than that. Uh, that he was able to identify because of that. So it is an important part of the the responsibility of the CIO, uh, Chief Sec- uh, Information Security Officer, the CTO, to understand where these applications are and how they're how they are handling their their data. Uh, the other thing that I, I loved that the way you guys called this out in the report. You know, we've all heard of the the great resignation and all those kinds of things. Well, you call it the great rationalization. Mm-hmm. Talk us a little bit about the great rationalization. Yeah, I mean, this was actually one, I think one of the mo- more most interesting things for me in the report is that um, we we sort of expect every year for uh, our customers the number of applications that they have to grow and the amount they're spending on software to grow. You know, you look at some of the data I shared earlier from, from analysts, it's all, it's all growing and everything else. Now the the crazy thing that we saw is we actually saw the number go down inside of our customers' accounts. Um, And so when you look year over year, they actually have been reducing the number of apps and reducing the spend that's in Xyla. Now, first of all, we're like, well, what the heck? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But then we're like, actually, no, it makes a lot of sense uh, because we're doing our job. You know, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, 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 we're helping them get their arms around it, understand what they're spending, um, understand the apps that are out there, and then putting processes and tools and systems in place to, to control that. So 
when we talk about the great rationalization, it's, it's, uh, it's one understanding what you have, knowing everything that's out there. What are people buying? What do these tools do? What are we spending all that info on all that, um, all that software? And then it's putting a program in place to do things like, uh, remove redundant capabilities. So, you know, when you have different apps that do the same thing, why do you need all those applications? Let's think about what apps we actually want to use and then go through a process to, you know, turn off those applications at some point in time, yeah. typically around the renewal or where you've got the same app being bought multiple times across the business. So let's say you've got, you know, a team in Europe and a team in the U S they're both buying, I don't know, Asana to use for pr program management. Why not combine those together and have a, you know, a strategy to get a better deal, uh, just from a licensing perspective and, you know, everything else that goes along with that. So, I mean, those are just a, a couple of the examples of, of what people are doing then, uh, when we say the great rationalization. Um, so we find that the average organization now, uh, this is a Zylo customer, they have about 291 applications in their portfolio and they're spending about $50 million a year. Uh, on on software, so that's that's the average. Obviously, that that changes as you go, you know, up into the into the large enterprise and down into the, right. the smaller organizations. But that's on average. That that's that's a big number. No matter mm -hmm. no matter how many ways you slice it. Now, when, when you're looking at the the great rationalization, do you do you find some clients that say, yes, we know we've got this application being used. Uh, and this application does the same thing, but mm -hmm. we're going to we're 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 going to accept that spend oh, yeah. because we want to give the employees the freedom of choice in that category. Do you see some of that? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know, there's not there's a lot of apps that do similar things, but there's not sort of one app that rules them all. That people are just saying this is what you have to use. But we do see some scenarios where you know a customer will say we're going to use. XYZ tool for surveys, you know, we're going to mm -hmm. shut everything else down. Um, but when it comes to like tools that people are using to like get their work done, like, like project management tools is a good one. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find, we have one customer that was 40 plus different project management tools we found when oh, wow. we did, uh, yeah. When we did our discovery, no, they haven't shuttled those down because different teams want to use different tools. So like, for instance, your engineering team, they're, they're going to use Jira to, to manage their tickets and manage their work. And yeah. maybe your marketing team, they're going to use Asana to do the same thing. It's, you know, yeah. and so there, there are tools that are more crafted and targeted based off of the persona that they go after that makes sense in a business, but mm -hmm. there's still opportunity in those 42 tools to, you know, stream down that maybe you don't need 42, maybe you need 15, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but yeah it's, it's, it's like a business a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the next thing I want that jumped out at me uh, mm -hmm. as I was reading the report is uh, every, uh, every IT professional's favorite word, governance. Okay. Uh, talk about SaaS governance and what you're starting to see. I know you talk about it in the report, but I'm sure in your clients, uh, you're seeing these governance structures being put in place. What things are they doing? How are they, how are they implementing this? Yeah, before I before I answer that too, Jeff, what so when you think about governance, um, and you, I mean, coming from uh, your expertise in IT, I mean, what's how do you define the word governance, and like how how, how do your peers think about it? Um, I, I'd say uh, oversight. Um, we we at the at the leadership level, uh, you probably love governance because it's a way to help uh, 
help mitigate some risk. Um, maybe at the uh, at the at the doer level, governance sometimes might get in the way of uh, being creative. Um, but I always saw it as uh, a way to get my peers involved in making some of the decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. So governance to me was the IT governance committee where you bring in uh, business leaders uh, and combine them with the IT leaders so that you're making these mutual decisions about the directions that you want to go. So it was a okay. way to to share the love on some of those decisions, so to speak. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think that's a great way to think about it, too, because I think oversight is the, you know, what a lot of people think about. But I think you're bringing sort of a. Uh, a better perspective here on on how governance can result in positive business impact uh, for organizations. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the thing that's really tough about software and SaaS is that uh, everyone is a buyer. We talked a little bit that, about that before. You know, employees are buyers, department heads are buyers. Um, everyone's a buyer. And the it's just the dynamic nature of SaaS too, where there are so many tools out there. It's very hard for any one person to know what all these tools do. They're changing all the time. They're adding new capabilities. They're going through mergers and acquisitions and all that stuff to continue to grow their, you know, their product suite and everything else. So it's tough to, it's the governance is hard around software because of those, because of those reasons. Um, how we think about governance is you've got, um, it's definitely oversight. It's visibility. You know, you got to know what's out there. You need to know what these tools are doing. You know, are they compliant with certain security, uh, uh, controls that you have in the business, you know, what, you know, are you spending the right amount that's according to your budgeting and your forecast for what you need to be using? All those things are, are really important. And of course we help bring visibility to all that and provide reporting so that as you're putting a governance strategy and program in place, you have the information you need to, to actually one, make sure it's, you know, make sure it's being followed, which is probably the most important thing. Yeah. Um, we also think about governance as uh, sort of to what you were talking about, um, where you have an IT governance board or things along those lines. We, we talk about freedom within a framework for software where we really want to make sure our customers and their employees uh, can use the tools that they want to use, can find the tools that the business makes available to them while still operating within the framework that the, the IT team and the other parts of the business have laid out before them. So things like giving, them, giving employees a place to go to search for either a tool or a capability that they may need and then provide them back with a recommendation on, Hey, here's the tool that you could use that's approved by our team to get access to it. So, you know, that's sort of the, the downwind stream I get or the downstream effect. I think of a, of an effective software governance program is to put that in place. And yeah. then if they can't find what they need, facilitate the process to go procure it through the right, um, the right, right teams. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that freedom within a framework uh, that that's much more positive than red tape. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. no, I love that. I, I'm, I'm going to steal that, that, that phrase because I Go think that it. describes, uh, I think that describes governance really well. It's the, it's the guardrails and it goes back to shadow IT that we were talking about er earlier. And when you've got these multiple uh, products that do the same thing, giving people the freedom to set, select the one that they want, within the framework, within the guardrails that you've set. So I, yep. I love that. Now, without giving too much away of the report, the report yep. wraps up with four steps that you all recommend uh, for the IT leader, and in this case, our listeners to follow. 
what just highlight the four steps and that process that you recommend people go through it related to SaaS? Yeah. So the four steps are really going to be around, um, like what, what you should be doing to optimize this growing uh, area of spend for your business. So number one is to really look at utilization, um, the applications that you have, uh, the licenses that have been provisioned, um, and how those licenses are being used. So we're finding that about 44% of SaaS licenses are wasted. So that's, that's from the SMI, this has the, the index 44%. report, 44% are wasted, which means they're not being used within a 30 day period of time, or they just haven't been provisioned. Yeah. So that is a, a lot of money. That's it literally is just wasted. And you know, it's because people think they need these tools, you provision it out and then they actually don't use them. And it's, it's really it. hard to get centralized visibility to know across all these tools, what is actually being used. Um, we recommend a, typically trying to target a utilization rate about 90%. So you have about a 10% buffer there um, if you need it. So that's number one. Uh, second would be around um, redundancy. So we talked a little bit about redundancy when you have yeah. the same yeah. application or different applications that do the same thing. Uh, but we see a lot of that within people's stacks. So, so it's sort of the top areas that we see uh, redundant capabilities existing within a business would be online training tools. Uh, where we see about 18, 18 to 19 applications that, that can do that within an organization's stack. Team collaboration tools, where we see about 13 apps on average. Project management tools, we talked about those, see about 12 on average. Uh, digital asset management tools, uh, about, about 12 as well. And then recruiting tools uh, in, a, in the, about 10 apps on average within a, a company's SaaS stack. So. Lots of opportunity there. You know, again, why do you need that many apps that can do do the same thing? Um, yep. Third area then would be around inefficient uh, purchasing. So when we say inefficient purchasing, what we mean here is where apps are being bought multiple times, or where you have a app that's being purchased by the sort of the corporate entity, but also being bought by employees. We call that yep. multi-channel spend, is what we call it uh, here at the uh, at the company. Um, so the, the top apps where we're seeing sort of this behavior happen for would be Twilio, Adobe Acrobat, MailChimp, Creative Cloud, and Udemy. Um, we see a lot of expense, ex employee expenses going through for those, those particular app, um, applications. And, and the last area then would be around just the renewal process in general and getting a oper operationalizing the renewal process so that you're not on your heels. You're not being stuck in auto renews, auto renewal situations. You're not just accepting off the rack prices, off the rack pricing and standard terms and conditions. You're putting a data driven approach in place where you're at ahead of renewals. You know what you're using, you know what you need. Um, you know, you know, you're not going to just accept whatever the, the vendor is going to send over to you. There, there is negotiation ability with all those things. Um, and so just getting on that and starting to, to drive a programmatic element uh, on that's really important as well. Yeah. Those are, those are four great steps. And uh, I, I know, Ben, that we're running out of time. But before, before I get to my last question, uh, where can people find the report? I know it, uh, uh, it's coming out the week of April 3rd. And uh, as, as our listeners uh, are listening to this, it will be after that. So where can they go get the report? Yeah, the best best place to go is just go to our website, so xylo.com. Uh, you can go to the website. There'll be a link there to uh, then download the report. Um, yeah, it's a super easy. Uh, that's awesome. about all it takes. 
Okay. And to our listeners, we'll be sure that the show notes have a link not only to Zylo's website, zylo.com, uh, but also a, a link to the report itself and, and other important links. So Ben, here on Status Go, as I warned you, we are all about action. We want to yeah. leave our listeners with a, a real solid call to action. So what are one or two things that they should go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, download the report for sure. Go get go get that report and and look at the benchmarks that are in there and, and start to think about how that uh, compares to your own organization. I would say this: the second thing um, would be to start to ask others uh, within within your company. Um, you know, do we know how much we're spending on software? Have we looked at what um, we could be saving by putting a system like this in place? Do we even know how many apps we have? And you know, a lot of times. You, you don't know. I mean, you, you, it, it takes some, it takes some, uh, you know, digging through data to uncover all those things. So I would say go start to have those conversations and start to raise some of those questions, uh, within your own company. There might be somebody out there that's got a spreadsheet that they're trying to maintain this from, yeah. you know, it's it, that that's a little bit of a challenge too, because, you know, spreadsheets get outdated and, you know, often are in a silo. Um, so I'd say those are the two things that I would say is yeah. get the report to sort of see what, uh, you know, be able to start to think about how that impacts your own, own organization. And the number two, start to ask some questions uh, within yeah. your company on how you're doing this today. And if there's, if you think there's a big opportunity to save some, save some money. So, you know, back to the operating expense conversation we had earlier, that's uh, right. That's paramount for a lot of organizations right now. I love that. Go find out and find out what you don't know about what you don't know. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, go, go learn about your own organization. Ben, I, I got to thank you. I really appreciate you carving out time. Uh, I, I realize that this is day one back from uh, spring break vacation. Uh, and I am sure that your inbox is pretty full today. So I appreciate you doing this uh, on a Monday morning. So thank you. No, thank, thank you, Jeff, for having us. Uh, it definitely has been, been great to be on and, and share more about what we're up to. And um, yeah, so thanks. Awesome. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. We'll be sure and link to the report itself. If you want to go directly to this episode, visit intervision.com slash status dash go, uh, and that'll make it even easier. This is Jeff Tun for Ben Pippinger. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.